Hello everyone, welcome back to Cat and Gin. Um, I hope you've all been doing well, whether you're in lockdown or not. Uh, today I wanted to talk about something a little bit different. I mean, I haven't done too many. I don't really have a recurring theme, I guess. But today I wanted to talk about the case of Shadina Wynn, who is a Aboriginal woman that died in 2019. So before we begin, this podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional owners of the land, the Boon, Wurrung and Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation, and pays respect to their elders past and present. So Shadina Wynn was an Aboriginal woman who died on the 9th of April in 2019, five days after losing consciousness whilst being handcuffed. Her family had to bury her without knowing how she died. Her death comes 20 years after her father, Warren Cooper, died in custody after he was found unresponsive in a police watch house. Both of them died at the age of 26. So I think the issue around this case is that the Wynn family and the police provide a different version of events that occur before her death. So Shirley Wynn, who is Shadina Wynn's mother, told NTV that six police officers entered her home, Shadina's apartment, in Perth's inner suburbs at 3.30am on the 4th of April, looking for a different Aboriginal woman. Shadina's mother claimed that the officers used excessive force and brutality by manhandling and handcuffing her daughter for 20 minutes, which is something that the police dispute. She also claimed that the police didn't check wins ID upon entering the apartment, only doing so after they restrained her. Shirley also said, quote, she shouted to me, Mummy, I can't breathe. I said to the police, she's having a hard time, and they said, grow up. Wynn's family said Shadina had a history of mental health problems and began to have an anxiety attack whilst being detained by police officers in her home. Once the police officers let uh, left the family. Once the police officers left, sorry, the family said Shadina left the apartment, and they they said that she was like visibly pretty upset as well. But they don't know exactly where she went. According to the Western Australian Police, the first time that they came into contact with Shadina was at five forty eight a.m. So in their version of events. They never went to her house. They never went to her apartment at 3.30, which is something that's creating a lot of confusion around this case, naturally. So according to them, the first time they met or came into contact with Shadina was at 5.48 a.m. in Victoria Park. Upon seeing police, Shadina apparently ran and was located nearby at an address shortly after. The police claimed that Shadina's identity was ascertained and she was left in the care of a family member. Around 6.50am on the same day, they were responding to reports that Shadina had collapsed on a nearby street after harming herself. Paramedics also attended the scene and provided treatment, then advised that the police were no longer required. The ambulance then set off to take Shadina to the Royal Perth Hospital during which she managed to exit the back of the ambulance. 
um, when it came to a stop at a red light and started to try and run away. So then the police were called again as she was, quote, behaving radically and she was handcuffed to prevent injury to herself and the emergency services. So whilst Shadina had been handcuffed, she actually lost consciousness. So then the police removed the handcuffs and paramedics commenced CPR. Once she was in a stable condition, she was taken to the Royal Perth Hospital, um, but then died five days later on the 9th of April 2019 in the Royal Perth Hospital. So I think that something that is a little bit confusing and frustrating for the family is the fact that the police don't consider Shadina's death to be a death in custody or a death in police presence because that would trigger a mandatory inquest. Um, but Shadina's family said that, that they were going to seek a public inquest anyways. In an interview with The Guardian Australia in May 2019, Police Commissioner Chris Dawson said that the decision to hold an inquest would be made by the coroner. Chris Dawson said he understood, quote, the frustration and tension, end quote, felt by families waiting for answers in coronial matters. He also defended the decision not to treat Wynne's death as a death in custody or in police presence, saying that police attendance doesn't axiomatically mean that police were connected to the death. And just in case you don't know what axiomatically, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, means I had to look it up because I was like what the hell does that mean it basically means to be self-evident or unquestionable so they're just trying to say that just because the police were there doesn't mean they were automatically yeah connected to the death um and that makes sense that's all well and good but I guess the main point of difference between the family's version of events and the police's version of events is the whole, like the police literally never mentioned this whole 3.30, that the meet, the point where they met at 3.30, why can't I speak, when they entered Shadina's apartment, um, during which apparently they, like they were looking for another Aboriginal woman but because they didn't ID her when they entered, they just started to try and arrest her. And it wasn't until they actually checked her ID that they realised it was a case of mistaken identity. So then that prompted Shadina to then leave her apartment pretty upset. Um, and they don't know where she went. Like her fa- her mum wasn't aware of where she was going. So. I guess something to think about is why the police saying that they were never there, if they had nothing to hide, why would they, you know, why would they have a different version of events? Why would the, why would Shadina's family say that the police just randomly came into her apartment at 3.30 in the morning? That's not like a common occurrence, you know, that's not something to make up. Obviously, at this point, it just makes it seem like it's word against word. 
um, and I hope they figure it out for the sake of Shadina's family because they still don't know what would the what the cause of her death was. Um, yeah, and the fact that Shadina's mum claims that excessive for- excessive force was used, potentially like that excessive force used that early in the morning. Um, had, like, a large effect on her state, like, her mental state and just, like, everything that happened was then, like, a trickle-down situation of, like, something that could have potentially been avoided had they just ID'd her as soon as they entered the apartment. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess... I I guess there's just a lot of questions that the family would have and all they want is to just know what happened to their to their family member and then that in combination just with the whole like her dad Shadina's dad literally it's just I don't know he also died I don't want to say also in custody because this doesn't apparently classify as a death in custody but Warren Cooper her dad died in custody at the age of 26, the exact same age that Shadina died at. Um, I guess you can argue because he was being neglected, like he was found unresponsive in a watch house. So you just kind of wonder how this can happen within one family. These, in like, it's intergenerational, I just... Even um, Shadina's grandmother said, you know, she went to the hospital and she saw Shadina and she was like, she just knew. She was like, oh, not this again. And she stated that, you know, the system hadn't improved at all in the sense of, like, bringing closure to anyone and just how seriously they seem to take matters like this. Something I initially thought was pretty, not, like, how do I explain this? Essentially, so there's another case, Tanya Day, um, also an Aboriginal woman who died in custody that is classified as a death in custody. She died in hospital 17 days later after being arrested. And that's classified as a death in custody. But then there's, like, I used to think, oh, this should, um, Shadina's case should be classified as a death in custody too because, you know, how could it not? She died three days, uh, sorry, five days, five days later after being in, like, having interaction with police. But the problem is, well, not the problem, but the, the difference is that last interaction with the police, she wasn't actually being arrested. She was simply being handcuffed because she was a danger to herself and to those around her. But because of the whole some sort of, like someone's lying about what happened in the morning of that day at 3.30. So, you know, I used to try and compare these and say, but Tanya Day is counted, you know. So Tanya Day, I'll just try and bl- briefly explain. 
Tanya Day's case. So she was found, she was on a V-line train from Geelong to Melbourne, I believe, in, oh, I can't remember the year. It wasn't too long ago. But anyhow, the train conductor called the police because she was drunk on the train and she was sleeping. So she wasn't causing any nuisance or anything like that. But at the time, I believe um, public drunkenness was an offence. So they called the police and she was taken into custody and put in a cell. And she was still, like, very intoxicated. So she kept kind of standing up and then she would fall. Like she would stand up in herself. She would be lying down and then she would stand up and just kind of like stumble around. And then like sometimes she would hit her head. She hit her head on the wall or like on the floor when she was like, yeah, I don't know. She was just very intoxicated. Anyways, and they're supposed to check on inmates or not even inmates, just people in custody. She wasn't in prison. She was just... Yeah, um, every ten, uh, every twenty to thirty minutes. But there was a period of time where she wasn't checked for fifty-eight minutes, and there was one fatal, um, like one, the one of the last times she hit her head. Um, it was like a pretty hard hit, and then she ended up on the floor. And nobody noticed for quite a long time because they weren't doing those regular checks. And even when they were looking, they weren't they weren't lifting. Apparently, they weren't lifting the flap to like look in properly. Um. Anyways, when they finally entered and like checked on her properly, they noticed a massive lump on her head, and basically her brain was hemorrhaging. Apparently, and she was taken to hospital and then died a few days later. So that was classified as a death in custody because they weren't following the protocol correctly with how often they were meant to check the people. So, but then there's just even the whole, like initially the train conductor was saying that she was causing, like she was causing a scene and that's why he called the um, the police on her and he claimed that he didn't notice that she was of Aboriginal descent. So he was trying to say that it had nothing to do with, like, where she was from or where she was, what she looked like or anything like that. Um, but upon cross-examination, apparently the train conductor then admitted that she actually wasn't causing a scene at all. She was she was minding her own business. Like um, she was sleeping. So the family was trying to argue, you know, like had like if systemic racism wasn't a thing, would she ever have even been arrested? Would she and then in turn would she have died because she was then neglected? and not taken care of correctly. Um, But then that case is a little bit more straightforward in that she was arrested. She was in a cell. She was in a a holding cell. So 
I guess comparing the two cases doesn't really, you know, there's always so many variables, but at the end of the day, it's like, I think at least considering it as like, considering Shadina's case as a death in police presence, even though they don't die, like Tanya Day didn't die in police custody, but because of the neglect that happened when she was in police custody, it counts as a death in police custody. So then what about the murkiness? What about the confusion? What about someone trying to cover up what's going on with Shadina, just completely pretending that no one went into a apartment on the th- at 3 a.m. that day at 3.30? Um, you know, what if something that happened there was then the cause? of um of Shadina's death and like I don't even know if that would that would get looked into because the police just don't even say that that's a thing so yeah I'm not really coming to any conclusions in this episode or anything I just wanted to you know I just wanted to talk about something that I think people should be more aware of there are many cases like this that you can sort of, if you lean one way, you can kind of convince yourself that, oh, yeah, like, whatever the police were just doing what they were meant to do. And, like, yeah, maybe they were, but there are, there are moments, there are gaps in treatment, like the way that things happen, whether it's the fact that apparently on, these, on the V-line trains, um, the train conductor would usually see about three people sleeping a day apparently it's a weird thing to for them to write but I read it in an article um and he wouldn't call the police on any of them it's like why did he call the police on her you know I believe that since then the the um being drunk in public is no longer an offense in Victoria correct me if I'm wrong I'm pretty certain But just the overall, like, you know, there's a lot of prejudices that people are used to applying without even realising. Like, he, you know, maybe he really didn't, he didn't consciously think, oh, she's Aboriginal, but it's like somewhere in his brain that prompted him to call the police over these other random people that he sees that are not Aboriginal people. She wasn't causing a scene. I don't know. I, it just, yeah, it's just very not, it's not good enough anymore. It never was good enough. But, yeah, I just wanted to talk about something that was a little bit more, I'm not sure what you want to call it, meaningful. I don't know. But, yeah, if you've never heard of these cases, look them up. Shadina Wynn, um, C-H-E-E-R. No, C-H-E-R-D-E-E-N-A, Win W-Y-N-N-E. So long story short, she um, fell unconscious while she was handcuffed by police upon the third interaction with them on the same day, which of one of the interactions was not part of the police statement for some reason. And this other case I mentioned was Tanya Day, T-N-Y-D-A-Y. Um, 
and she died 17 days later in hospital after hitting her head in a cell when she wasn't being checked properly. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope this prompts you to look up a case, either these ones or other ones. There are so many. Um, and see what you think about it. See if you think they were treated fairly because I can guarantee you there's at least, you know, each case has its own. They're all unique and whatever, but each of them has flaws in how these Aboriginal people were treated that I just don't believe would be the case had the people been of just, I don't know, if they were just white or whatever else, white passing, you know. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed or learnt something. Don't know about enjoyed. I hope you learnt something from this podcast that you maybe hadn't heard of before or if you had heard of it before, that's great. Um, we just have to continue to talk about this. Um, whether or not it's a trend it's not about things being a trend anymore Um, do the right thing call people out and donate where you can Um, yeah I think that's it hope you're all keeping safe and wear a mask now that it's about to be compulsory bye guys